0: Welcome to the
1: Foul Front Outdoors Tales and Tips segment, where we bring to light the heart of hunting through shared experiences and lessons learned. By talking with real hunters, both new and old, to preserve and share part of this passion that we hold dear, not only to entertain, but also to educate. So listen up, because this is Tales and Tips, and you're on the Foul Front. This week's episode is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market. With unmatched customer service. Visit them online at DiveBombIndustries.com on Instagram or Facebook at DiveBombIndustries. Or go ahead and give them a call anytime, seven days a week at 314-322-7468. And go ahead and use the promo code FOWLFRONT, all under case with a space in between FOWL and FRONT, for 10% off your next purchase of DiveBomb Decoys. This episode also brought to you in part by Hunt Hickory Creek. And new to Hunt Hickory Creek this year is their Central Kansas Lodge. They're going to be running hunters from the end of October all the way through January. And their main hunting area is located between Kavira National Refuge and Cheyenne Bottoms. Now, Central Kansas is a special place for waterfowl hunting. And during the peak migration, these refuges hold hundreds of thousands, if not close to millions of birds at one time. So for your chance of a hunt of a lifetime, head on over to hunthickorycreek.com. Because if you're gonna hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek.
2: Ooh. All right, guys. In this week's Tales and Tips episode, we're talking with Chad Dawson, fellow listener. Uh, he's the chairman at the Second Split uh, chapter for Delta Waterfowl down here in Wichita, Kansas. Going to be talking about some solo hunting. Chad mainly, uh, primarily hunts solo. So for any of you guys out there in the listeners group, or just listening in general, if you guys are solo hunters, definitely tune into this episode. Chad, how are you doing?
3: Man, I am good. I'm doing real good. Just uh, enjoying the evening. It's a nice one tonight.
2: Yeah, I've got some of this rain coming in. It's definitely uh, the past few days have been a lot yeah. less
1: dry heat, but a little more muggy. And it dipped below like 80 degrees, didn't it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I got I got rained out this morning while I was working, working outside, and got rained out. And then about about the time I called it quits and got home, it was bright, beautiful out. So yeah my day went from off. my
2: day went from outside to being a shop day which is nothing wrong but definitely a little slower a little boring
1: but a little cooler at least yeah I'm an indoor cat so you know I spend all my time inside so
3: rough life
1: yeah <laughs> it truly is but
3: I, I, so, I was serious about that rough life
2: uh, yeah <laughs> So, Chad, what kind of situations do you primarily hunt? Are you hunting more uh, rivers or fields or ponds, marshes?
3: Uh, well, for for the most part, uh, early season, I, I, I hunt the, the public marshes. Uh, those seem to hold um, good numbers of birds during the year. Um, and, and I get them a couple of days off during the week, so I'm able to kind of hit it um, when the weekend warriors aren't there. Um, so it kind of lends itself to some some better hunting. Um, as the season progresses, I uh, and the temperature starts to drop, um, I start hitting the big water. I live right next to a a major reservoir here in Kansas and, uh, and I'll hit the, hit the ag fields and, uh, try and find them in the fields.
1: Well, how'd you get started hunting?
3: Man, I, uh, my dad, he got me going at, uh, like, like three years old. He had me out deer hunting with him and. Um, he was the, the, the kind of guy that would would take me out. And if I got cold, he'd sacrifice his shoes to keep me warm just to get that last 30 minutes of hunting in during deer season. And I I never really, never really duck hunted, um, until I was about 21, 22, just decided I was going to try it. And I went to our, our deer lease and I, I dropped a dozen decoys in the river below some riffles and uh just about 10 minutes after first light i had a the only group of the morning but it was 50 mallards just banging tree limbs coming in hard and from that moment uh, there's nothing i'm more passionate about when it comes to hunting
2: yeah those uh those central kansas skinny rivers they will hook you in a heartbeat i know how that goes
3: man I, i i spent my whole childhood deer hunting this piece of ground and just decided it was time to try it and I was hooked.
2: Had you seen, you know, birds going in there while you were deer hunting growing
3: up? No, not really. Cause, uh, uh, I mean, we had some wood ducks in there, but that was really only the only place that I knew had water. I, I think I hunted it the, the last weekend in January. Um, that was open and it was super, super cold. And dad, he said, well, you might as well go hunt the creek. And, uh I gave it a shot and it worked out I, I think I got two birds that morning but I was lucky um, I think I was just I so think excited the,
1: the fifth or sixth person um, that we've talked to that talks about you know I started off deer hunting with my daddy and then you know around the you know coming of age time 20 I'm setting out to be my own man uh, is when they venture into waterfowl hunting and I wonder I wonder what, what is, what is it about that? That why is that such a common thing?
3: You know. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but for me, um, I would say that was probably right around the time that 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 Duck Dynasty stuff got going. I know there's a, a lot of you know taboo, you know about you know Duck Dynasty bringing in all the new guys, but it really did benefit the sport as a whole, um, bringing in a bunch of new blood. Um, and I decided I wanted to try it and it was kind of a, a social sport and that was it for me. I, I just wanted to give it a try and luckily it worked out for me the first time and here I am now.
2: Yeah, I kind of look at it the same way. There's a lot of maybe negativity or, uh, yeah, negativity is word. yeah about the, uh, the quote unquote duck dynasty hunters. But the way I look at it is at the very least, you're selling more duck stamps. So I'm cool with that.
3: Oh, no doubt. That's how we that's how money's raised for the future ducks and conservation. Simple as that.
2: So hey Chad, it sounds like you, you kinda hunt a little bit of everything from fields to rivers and you know, you said you hunt a lot of marshes early season. So as a solo hunter, when you're heading into those hunts. Uh, what does your your scouting look like? I know for me like I've had multiple times where I know I have a group of friends coming down that are visiting or some local buddies that are gonna go hunting with me and I'll be looking at a feed or loaf and i'm I'm wondering like oh man, is that really enough birds you know to hunt four or five guys? you know as a solo hunter, I guess you don't really have to worry about anyone but yourself so what do, what do you think like is a good number that you're looking for to have a successful solo hunt when you're scouting?
3: I guess that that really depends on kind of what I'm chasing. If I'm, if I'm chasing some ducks, you know, you really only need a couple solid, solid flocks to get what, you know, get your goal. And, uh, for me, I, I, if I find 30 ducks in kind of a, a hard to reach spot, um, you know, that's, that's going to be good enough for me as long as there's somewhere for me to hide, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get. Steady shooting um, to kind of get in and get out. You know, I'm a dad, so my time is limited. Um, so, as far as marshes and chasing ducks, if I can find a, a you know small patch of birds, um, maybe thirty to fifty ducks, that's that's plenty for a solo guy. Um, unless they all come in one bunch, then you're going to have something to talk about. But right. But um, if i if I'm chasing. Uh, like later in the season, uh, I kind of transfer over to, to geese in the, uh, in the dry fields and where I'm at, we see a lot more lessers than we see the, the big honkers. And so, um, those tend to be a lot bigger flocking bird. Um, and so, uh, if I'm in a big feed field, um, typically I need somewhere between three to 500 birds. Um, cause they'll come in in flocks of 40, 50, 60, maybe more. Um, and you're trying to get those birds. Um, so you need quite a, quite a number, um, to be able to get it done.
1: So how, how do you do that? What's that? So, how, you know, how do you run a spread, you know, big enough to pull those lessers?
3: Well, for me, for me, um, I, I run a very, uh, it's like a run and gun spread um i have about 10 dozen socks and silos um and i have a uh, uh a layout blind with the with the rigid frame and the the fold doors and i I use my blind as my decoy bag and i can stuff all of my all of my decoys uh inside that and it has a a carry strap to it um and so I'll just run my band around that, so it keeps it tight, and then I'm able to walk in, and I can place my ten dozen myself, um, in just you know a short amount of time, and I try and dedicate most of my time to hiding my blind, and then I'll use my uh, my my socks to uh, try and blend in inside my spread, um, but for the most part. About ten dozen socks and socks will get it done for me, anyways. But that's with good scouting um, and knowing where birds are coming and where they want to be. Yeah, you know, you touched on
2: there with, with the scouting, the uh, you know, with those lessers in Central Kansas. You're exactly right. Like they're they're coming in groups of 40, 50, maybe even more. And so, as a solo guy, even though that's a ton of birds, being able to read the situations and you know, how are they coming into the field and what sizes of groups and how far in between are the groups? Because, you know, if you only have two groups of 50, they're coming in a minute apart. Realistically, you're probably going to shoot two if you're lucky, three birds in that field. And so, you know, that's a successful hunt, but you're not going to be shooting the limit.
3: Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's kind of the name of game as a, as a solo hunter. Uh, you got to dedicate your time to, to scouting. Um, and if you feel um, that being used as a feed and you're able to watch that over a couple of days leading up to your availability to actually hunt, you're able to see kind of how those how those birds come in. Um, typically around here, um, you'll get a, a big initial burst where they they come up off their off the roost and come in and then. For the next hour or so, for us, is uh, it's kind of a trickle effect, and you'll get your smaller flocks as they're looking for a place to eat. And that's that's where I like to put myself.
1: Now, you know, talking about we were talking about earlier the the balance between family life and you know the the job that pays for the family and whatnot. How do you, as a solo hunter, I know it's super easy for me to. You know, when I have a group of guys, you know, we're all looking at different fields. We're all looking at different, you know, places.
2: Calling up this buddy. There, hey, hey, dude. I got
1: the hot field. Hey, no, I got the hot pond. Like, okay, hey, you got it. How do you, uh, how do you get your scouting in? How do you, how do you do that?
3: Well, uh, this year will be a new challenge. But last year, my kids napped. Um, they would, mm-hmm. they would nap about nine a.m. because my kids woke up real early. They'd wake up at like five thirty, six o'clock and be ready for first nap at 9. So I would, during season, um, they would nap as I was driving around uh, um, and I'd get about an hour and a half to, to drive around, do my scouting, um, check the spots I've got permission on, try and find new ground. And then uh, as they started to wake up, um, that's when I knew it was time to go. But now... The kids take one nap, and it's after lunch, and so that'll be a new challenge I have to figure out.
1: Hey, question for you, because um, mm-hmm. I've I know this from firsthand experience. Um, how much easier is it to get permission when you've got uh, you know two kids taking a nap in the back of your truck? <laughs>
3: uh, I had a pretty good success rate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
2: a cute factor on your side. Yeah.
3: Well, it wasn't like they were just sitting in my arms and I'm walking up, you know. Um, but a lot of times people ask, left your truck running. You getting out here quick? I, I got two kids at the back. I, I got to get my scouting in. Come to talk to you. And then they just – it, it kind of breaks down their, their defenses a little bit. Makes them more re- you know receptive to you being – interrupting their day. Yeah. Uh, So it doesn't always work, but a lot of times it does. Uh, And if it doesn't work out, they can point you to somebody who might be a little more uh, approachable to that kind of thing. Right. I think as they get older um, and willing to participate and as that goes on, I think that success rate will be better. Um, But I think – getting permission is all about how you approach it if you approach people at a at a convenient time try not to hit them just as they get home from work and try not to hit them as they're sitting down from dinner um, try and catch them on the in-between or just after they seem to be much more responsive and they
2: now do you think maybe you have a little more success uh with getting permission being a solo hunter i know i i myself has, have had some experiences where you know, I'm talking to a farmer or a landowner, and I feel like it's going great, and I feel like we've made a good connection. Then the minute I say, "Hey, you know, I got a couple buddies with me, also. Like, do you care if they come along?" You know, some people start getting a little finicky about that if they, you know, haven't ever met the person personally.
3: Uh, for me, I, I just think, I think if you are if you present yourself as a trustworthy person. A lot of times farmers don't like these birds. Um, and I found they really don't like the geese, the lessers, and the snows. Um, and so it it just seems like they, they seem to be a little more receptive, at least around here, um, to having a party, uh, of guys. But, um, having one guy, and since I, since I'm pretty mobile with my field spread, I don't have to drive on their ground. You know, it's it's pretty easy for me to pack all my stuff in and never have to put tires on their field. Um, and that's a big selling point. Um, a lot of guys don't care, but they've been burned in the past. And if you can have that, you know, in your toolbox as things you can offer them, um, you know, minimize your impact to their ground, that seems to be a, a huge benefit.
2: Yeah, that's a good selling point for anybody, even – even if you are a group hunter, but especially you, you know, being a solo hunter, you know, you want to maybe talk about that a little bit more, the gear that you do utilize, such as you said, you know, you, you carry silos and socks in your layout blind. You're kind of hitting two birds, one stone there. And then did, did you say you take out 10 dozens that what you said, Chad?
3: Yeah, I have about 10 dozen roughly. It's been a while, you know, since I counted 10 dozen ish. Yeah. You or know, I mean, that's,
2: you can pack that in on your back pretty light by yourself utilizing those silos and socks and that's still a pretty good size spread
1: so now actually yeah to expound on that is tell me the story from okay you y- you've driven out to the place you're gonna hunt tell me the tale of from the truck to the setup how does that work for you because well, I-, I know it always makes it easier when you ha- i have multi i almost invite people along with me so that i can make that less of a uh, you know uh, pain in
3: the butt <laughs> well Pretty yeah, soon
1: you'll have the kids for that job
3: yeah man that's that's a bonus that's uh i take a lot of kids hunting and uh i normally make them carry their own weight and make it a good experience but they definitely earn it but um for me you know i i get out the truck let the dog run burn off some of that extra energy and then you know i i normally head head to the field and my 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 blind is already packed. It's not like I got any prep work to do once I get there. So then it's just a matter of dropping the tailgate, putting it on, grabbing my gun and my blind bag, and I'm hoofing it to where where I've decided I'm gonna hunt. Um, and uh, it's always it's always a a nice thing. I have a uh, I have this little collapsible rake I keep in my my blind bag that helps me when i get there so i can brush in i can rake debris and help myself brush in but i try and make it as simple as possible i don't like doing a whole lot of prep work at on site
1: right so uh, you know obviously the key there is is you know you prep the night before or maybe even you wake up you know an extra hour or two earlier whatever it is that you do um but Showing up ready to go and just grabbing whatever you need to out of the back of the truck, but you know what? How long? You know how far? How long does it take for you to set up your from the time you leave the truck, uh, excluding the walk in, to the time you're set in? You know, maybe enjoying your coffee. You know, what's that look like for you?
3: Well, from the like as soon as I get to my spot, the first mm-hmm. thing I do is I I dump my blind, lay my gun out, dump it, get everything laid out. And I can set my 10 dozen birds, um, you know, probably in 15, 20 minutes. And that, that, once I've done that, then that gets me a lot of time to work on trying to make my layout blind as invisible as possible. Um, I try and, that, that tends to be my, where I focus. Um, I don't get too particular on setting up decoys in a specific thing. I just try and get them looking like what I saw, and then I try and hide as best as I can. So.
1: What are some of the uh, What are some of the things that you do the night before to make sure? Because I mean, obviously, you don't have any fallbacks. Like, oh, hey, dude, I for- forgot my headlamp. Right, I got an extra <laughs> one in my blind bag. It's on um, you. Yeah, I mean, you are the single point of failure. What, what are some of the prepar? I you know What are some of the preparation things that you know well, you, you go so over?
3: I- so the, the night before, um, what I'm doing is I will go, I will get everything, cause normally the, the pack up from the previous hunt isn't near as neat as yeah. it is. So I'll repack my blind. And in doing that, um, that means I go through my blind bag. I'm making sure I've still got, uh, my, if it's cold, I've got some hand warmers. Um, I've got my, you know, a couple boxes of shells in there. Um, I've emptied my trash out. Um, I make sure I've got my choke tube and some lube for the for the gun. I normally use some CLP, uh, and I'm just I'm just checking things, making sure I've got at least two um, two headlamps that work. Learn that one the hard way. One mm-hmm. fails and the other one's low on battery, and then you're stuck. And you're scrambling in the early morning light. Um, Two is one, one is none. So yeah, exactly. So I'm just I'm just going through the things that I know I will need, um, and then once I've checked off the things that are, you know, necessities of a hunt, you know, shells, guns, good, you know, have my decoys packed, that kind of thing. Then I can look at the things that kind of make a hunt a little more comfortable. You know, hand warmers, extra set of gloves, maybe an extra set of socks. You know, because there's things that happen. You know, your, your your socks get wet, or you're you're walking, and you get too you get too sweaty, and then you're fighting the cold the whole time. Or it might be an extra hoodie in the bag or something. It's right. just I take care of the necessities first, and then the create your comforts after that.
1: Yeah. So. Because I know this is you know uh, extra hand equals you know you know you, you don't have any extra hands so what blind bag do you run?
3: man I, I, don't, I don't have a, a, a special blind bag I picked mine up it's a, it's from Academy sports it's uh, it's small um, it's just a game winner blind bag I don't run a, a, a anything special. I just it it it's got it'll hold four boxes of shells. It's got a uh a compartment, for, you know, for your knickknacks like an extra headlamp, set of gloves. And then it's got um a couple extra pockets and it has like a little hand towel pouch um to wipe your hands off. It's it's nothing sure. special. It's pretty you know, bare bones plain Jane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's uh, I did something selfish when we had this this kid. You know, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, I don't want any of those frou frou diaper bags or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, I, I carry this kind of smaller uh, blind bag uh, out to the field. But I, you know, I got to look and I was like, oh man, hey, a blind bag is a perfect diaper bag. It's got all the little compartments. You know, you put the that binky in, put the binky in the choke tube thing. You know, you got the
3: put the. Uh, Way, way intelligent. I wish I would have had that idea. <laughs> yeah, but I, got, I
1: still have time. I, hey, I got one is on is, the way.
3: I got one on yeah. the way. I might be able to exactly. do that same trick.
1: Exactly. I'll send you a picture of mine. It's a game winner too.
3: Please
1: do. People, people knock the game winner and the Magellan, but man, those are like I, I love that stuff. I love their waiters. So you
3: know what I love? I love the price point. It's affordable. <laughs> man, as a as a dad with kids and more on the way you know you have to look at that bottom line and is is having the 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 top of the line you know everything is that really economical
1: yeah you know i was gonna buy a new pair of waders this year but instead we ended up getting this thing uh oh what's it called it's like a little sock that you put on your kid and it and it reads like uh heart rate and oxygen levels of your kid Oh yeah. Cuz my wife my wife was being like super nervous about it and honestly like I ever like every dollar like that we spent on that thing that was like 300 bucks.
3: Oh my god.
1: Um, oh dude, uh that has been my life since having this kid. It's 300 bucks here, 100 bucks there, like 200 bucks there. But I tell you what, the the amount of sleep that that thing has equaled, you know, versus, you know, <laughs>
2: His waiters aren't gonna get you sleep.
1: Hey, them waiters. <laughs> you know, I, I might freeze my butt off come January because I got leaky waiters. But dang it, I'm gonna have a happy wife.
3: You know. Oh, well, that is an important thing to have. It's probably more important than having new waiters. Hey,
2: you, you know, it's funny you say leaky waiters. And Chad, you said earlier you, you take care of the necessities first with uh, the hand warmers, the extra gloves or socks, whatever it may be. And you know that brings up a great point that. You know, a lot of people probably don't think about when you're solo hunting is the safety. You know, talk about like, you know, making sure you have an extra pair of clothes back at the truck or hand warmers or make sure you're dropping a pin or whatever it is. You don't have a buddy to pull you out of that, you know, ice oh, broken river.
3: I've I've had a couple close calls as a, as a duck hunter. Um, and luckily, uh, the first time I was hunting with a brother-in-law and, and nephew and they were able to toss me a rope. Um, I was hunting a cattle pond and, uh, I had nice firm bottom and I was chasing a down bird and it kept getting onto the ice and, you know, just out of reach. And I just kept going and going and I wound up hitting a soft spot and I sank probably to my, probably to my waist in the the sludge and muck and that water Mm. was dumping in over my waders and I couldn't, couldn't do much. And, uh, they, they were able to toss me a rope and drag me out. You know, you know they they my bot, my I they dragged me right out of my waders. Um, those waders are still at the bottom of that pond. You know they they talk about. I
1: don't know if you've ever watched how to self rescue out of an ice hole. Um, and I, but I think this brings up a perfect opportunity to talk about it because I didn't know this either until uh, ever you know just posted that video or Matt did. He just posted that video in the group the other day about me hunting the why. Well, the issue was is the, is the ice was too thin for me to walk on out there, so I couldn't retrieve any birds unless I shot them on the bank. Or they landed on the bank, but got me to thinking what I was going to do uh, if I ever did fall in. And they say the the way that you you know you fall in, don't try to save yourself for at least a minute. Just got to get over that initial cold shock and kind of just wade water there, catch your breath, get over the, get over the shock and then start putting your elbows up on the, the ice ledge and then, uh, get to a point where you can, you know, either you'll break your way all the way back to, um, uh, you know, a place you can stand or you'll find a spot where you can, you know, eventually kind of hold your weight. And then from there you kind of, uh, let your, your feet rise up behind you and then you kick as hard as you can, like flutter kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, to belly roll and then you just roll all the way back to the uh to the edge of the pond um just little safety psa there for anybody that didn't no, know that's, that's a
2: that's a good put in that's yeah yeah, I <laughs> yeah mean, that's a good technique
3: i think a lot of times as guys we kind of find ourselves invincible and uh mother nature is kind of unforgiving and she'll put us down on her butt in a minute yeah absolutely that's, that's good stuff i mean um as far as the, the safety as a solo um, hunter went, um, we had a, uh, a couple, maybe I think it's about three years ago now, we had a, uh, a guy that was in a very similar situation to me. I was an expectant father. Um, he, this guy was, a, his name is, oh, I think his name's Aaron Travis. Um, and uh, he's an expectant father. I was an expectant father. Both of our wives were due. Um, basically the same time frame, and, uh, him and his buddy went out to go retrieve birds, in the canoe, and they dumped the canoe, and, um, Aaron didn't make it. Um, and I had never met Aaron, I, I just had read the story, but because our situations were so similar, um, it really, really drove home, you know, how dangerous this can be. Um, and it changed my whole viewpoint. Whenever I head out on, whether it's with me or with with buddies. Um, so, as a as a solo hunter, I you know I, I let my wife know um, I drop a pin where I'm going to park my tr- truck, um, and then once I walk in, um, I'll, I'll drop a pin, send that to her as well. And then I let her know, let her know you know this is what time I'm calling it quits on the hunt. Um, this is what time I'm expecting to be home. Um, and then, um, you know, sometimes during a hunt, you know, things don't, the action's slow to get started and things change. and But just try and keep her posted, whether that's a phone call saying, Hey, I think I'm going to be an hour longer, or whatever. Um, yeah. that was, that was one I had to, that was one I had to learn. Uh, um, you know, cause they, they worry about us. So, had to learn yeah. that one and maintain that happy wife, happy life thing. Uh,
1: my my wife hates it when I tell her that I'm I'm going out by myself or something like that. She she would rather me go out with a serial killer than uh, you know uh, by myself because just like you said, they ain't no tougher opponent than Mother Nature.
3: She's undefeated, man.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think you're exactly right.
2: Maybe with the, uh, call it the male ego. We do find ourselves invincible sometimes. And, you know, you hate to, you hate to learn the hard way. So, you know, listeners definitely go ahead and take the time to do those
1: precautions. Yeah. You know, we we were, uh, me and my, my bot, my buddy, Dave, we were up turkey hunting up in, uh, the Lincoln national forest. And, um, We got to talking, and I said, hey, I ain't scared. And, you know, oh, there's some black bears out here. I said, you know, hey, I'm an apex predator, man. I got a shotgun, and I got my knife and all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, well, Mother Nature, she'll put you down real quick. And she sure did. We were soaked through and everything. He said, yeah, you're you're an apex predator, buddy, heading back to the truck at, you know, two hours after sunup, shivering your butt off.
3: (laughs) So... Mm. Yeah, that's that's that being young and dumb.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I've done that too and I uh this helps with the safety thing, but it also helps with the game wardens. Um I make a copy of my license, um my hunting license and my driver's license and all that stuff. Um I take some of the the you know, the personal identifying information out that I wouldn't want any layman to find, but I always, you know, write in like Hey, I put this little packet right in my windshield like where my wiper is or like on the inside so someone can read it. Hey, you know, I went out hunting. I'm, you know, in this location. If this is older than 12 hours, you know, and then I write in the time, please contact the authorities. Uh, And uh, I've seen a lot of times too where, you know, I'm looking out and I can see my truck from, from where I'm hunting and either you know cop or game warden or someone pulls up and they they read through it and the game warden just pulls away (laughs) okay hey i can see i can see a copy of this dude's license his hip permit all that stuff they don't even come bother you
3: yeah i mean that's something i'd never thought about so i think that's probably a good idea especially given the way i typically hunt
2: Hey Chad, you said earlier that that game winner bag. You said it holds four boxes of shells. Do you normally take four boxes with you when you hunt?
3: Uh, no, not typically. Not unless <laughs> I'm going with, not unless I'm going with like a, a kid. Um, mm, normally, yeah. two boxes. You know the the price of shells. Um, it's just it's just tough to justify blowing through two boxes of shells when you only can kill six birds doing yeah. something wrong if you're blowing more than <laughs> that like you're either calling your sh- shot too too early and not letting birds finish or you're, you're just skyjacking them and that's just you know it, it translates to almost a dollar a shot yeah you know? yeah that's crazy I, that's how i think about it anyways and so i'm like well crap that bird cost me three bucks you know?
1: Well dang it, you just ruined you just ruined it for me now. <laughs> now. Uh well hey, another thing too, talking about, you know, you're talking about six birds. Now we yeah. everybody knows, you know, group hunting is illegal. You know Yeah, uh, you identify sure. your birds and you go down and stuff like that, but there's no there's zero lenience for you. You have to be on on the money when you're shooting shooting at ducks. You have oh, yeah. to know what you're pulling the trigger on.
3: Yeah. That's why I like shooting birds right in the hole because it's pretty obvious to know what you're shooting at if they're 20, 25 yards out.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: There's nothing to doubt I think, when it comes time to pull the trigger.
1: Uh, I think a lot of people, and I've had a lot of birds in my face in the last five years, and I've had, you know, I've pulled the trigger on a lot of birds. And I always kind of like, in the back of my mind, chuckle at the guy that says, every bird I shoot, I know exactly what it is. Uh, you know, that, that's a hen mallard right there. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, you know, all right. That's, you know, that's good on you, man. Like, uh, part of me, you know, is like, eh. Like, you were, you, you had a group <laughs> of six people. You didn't give a crap. You knew you weren't <laughs> going to put down 12 mallard hens. You pulled the trigger, like, you know. Yeah,
3: yeah no doubt. I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody that's ever, you know, gotten into it. Maybe as they age and get more experience, they know exactly what they're shooting at. But them early years, you don't know what. You just you just see a bird. And yeah, A lot boy. of guys identify in hand, and mm-hmm. that's how they learn. And then they pick those characteristics up on the wing. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've, it goes.
1: That I've got a technique for that, too, that I kind of developed out of my own inability to identify birds on the wing and for somebody that is out there by themselves. Is, so I look at whatever the most you know restrictive limit is. Okay, I can only shoot one pintail? Well, I might not know what a pintail looks in flight, but I know what a duck looks like in flight. And I know I can only shoot one pintail, so guess what? Each pass, I only get to shoot one duck. And until that thing's in my hand and my phone's out and I'm checking it. Oh, not a pintail. All right, sounds good.
3: No, you know what I mean? I still get one pintail. But now, yep. man, they changed the limit. Now we get two pintails again. Hey,
1: yes, I could shoot two ducks now. But I, <laughs> yeah.
3: you know, a little more
1: leeway. A little bit more leeway. Well,
2: another yeah. part to, you know, finishing birds in close to, besides being able to ID them, is, you know, easier retrieval. As You know, as a solo hunter, you know, Chad, I don't know, do you have a retriever at all, or are you retrieving most of your birds on your own?
3: Um, for the, when I first got started, it was just, it was just me running out in the water and getting the birds. But I've now got a, uh, a chocolate lab, um, and she goes and does most of the work for me. Uh, but What's she was name? a game change. Her name's Bashlin. Um, Bashlin, Bashlin. Hmm. Like, like bash brothers, but a girl. <laughs>
0: gotcha.
3: Yeah. It's a, it's a different oddball name, but she's mine and I love her. And uh, yeah, she was a real game changer as a solo hunter um you know a lot of times we're uh, hunting the reservoirs or the 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 fishing lakes or whatever um you know there's water that you you probably don't know um yeah. as far as depths and things like that, and so um every time you dump a bird um if you dumped one and it sailed, maybe 50, 60, 70 yards or more, you know, who knows what, what kind of depths you were you were heading out to. And if you, if you set up properly, you know, that bird's not ever going to get closer to you. Yeah.
1: So, so. The other thing, too, you were talking about is what people don't realize is, you know, these cow ponds, they're small. You know, they're yeah. half an acre to two acres. But – Dang it! Those banks don't drop off quick, and dang it, don't they have soft spots from where them cattle are wading in there, and obviously just the unsteady nature of a midwestern kind of agrarian um, ground where you have loamy sand and um, all all that that kind of thing. You know, it, you <laughs> never know where that next hole is. Oh, oh
3: that's like um, I just picked up a uh, a new. Uh, last year we got a new um, depth finder on our boat and it's got mm. like the GPS and the, the 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 maps on it that tell you your contour lines and man that that really helps put your mind at ease a little bit. If you knew you were gonna be hunting you could go you know go turn your your battery on and have your G P S up and you could kinda pre scout and you know get an idea of kinda how deep you were looking at it. if you knew you you could find a, a shallow cove, you know, um, right. that kind of helped put your mind at ease. Now, you still didn't know what kind of bottom that was just from the map, but um, scouting would give you an idea of what kind of bottom to expect. And so yeah. that helped out a ton. Um, and there's, if you don't have a GPS, there's there's different apps like Navionics apps or things like that you can you can use to check. You know, get a a general idea of what to expect as far as you know. One
1: one app, one app that does a really good job, and and they're actually, I think, they're out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Does a really good job of doing the, uh, um, lake contours and pond contours is Powder Hook. I don't know if you've ever looked into it.
3: Um, Yeah, they. I think they do some kind of a youth mentor deal. Yeah, They, they. uh, they're, they're kind of new on the market and I haven't really looked into them too hard yet, but I do remember that.
1: Yeah. Where do they, they provide depth? Um, yeah, yeah they, they have, they have a really good mapping, um, system that it's free. Um, it's absolutely free and you can look at, you know, as long as you know what the, the water depth base levels are, you can kind of tell like, okay, Hey, that's where the drop off is. I know I can hunt this right here, this cove without a, a dog or a boat. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing too, you know, uh, I guess I got to reach out to them, um, because they're trying to do the same thing we are, you know, mentor, educate. So yeah, that's a really convenient tool. I wish, yeah. and, and they're out of, they're either out of Lincoln or Omaha. Um, I believe,
3: I don't want to misspeak there, but do you, uh, do you hunt out of that boat at all, Chad? Um, you know, I, I haven't yet. I haven't really had a uh i need to and um uh, honestly hunting by myself on uh, on this big water out of a boat i, I think Terrifying. that's um you know kansas we can get these big winds and i don't know it's just not something i chance um so i'd rather put the put the legwork in to walk to where i'm going um,
2: yeah I mean, it is one thing in the middle of july but i couldn't imagine with a little bit of ice around the edges and it's slippery and. I just I couldn't imagine trying to put a boat in and trailer a boat by yourself in December and January in Kansas.
3: Yeah, I mean there's there's all kinds of all kinds of things to worry about and guys do it. I mean you can do it safely um if you know what you're doing and there's there's really only one way to know what you're doing and that's by doing it. But yeah. you should learn those <laughs> lessons before um before you put yourself in a situation where it's gonna be cold or Whatever. There's a lot that goes into it. And I just, that's not something I've done yet. Um, as far as taking the boat out on the big water, but I have done some, uh, I've hunted out of a kayak and a canoe a couple different times. And, uh, if you, if you haven't done it, that's something you, you definitely need to try. Um, it's, it's a totally different, um, totally different experience is that motoring. mainly like,
2: like public hunting chad do you yeah know, yeah is that you, like marshes uh, and
3: yeah we i mean there's there's kansas is known for cheyenne bottoms i mean cheyenne bottoms is an awesome place to paddle in um i did it several times last year um and in a canoe you can haul a ton of decoys and it's it's basically silent transportation in yeah you, you Park it wherever, you know. Park it while you get everything going. Walk your boat to go stash it in the reeds far away, and come back and enjoy your hunt. And it makes getting in and out easy. So, but there's- yeah, I mean, the
2: Cheyenne Bottoms. I've I've hunted there, you know, decent amount, and you know, a lot of those places, like you said, you can hide those, you know, canoes and kayaks super easy with just the natural vegetation that's around.
3: Yeah, we uh, – hunting, hunting out of the kayaks, I mean, it was little more than uh, a, a burlap sack that we'd put some slits in so we could slide some uh, vegetation into. I mean, we were – it was – it wasn't a, a high-end blind. It was a blind we threw together for 10 bucks and, and got it done. And then you could hide in basically the, the open-water grass mats. So you was. have
2: done some hunting out of the kayaks before? You don't just swim yeah. them every time?
3: Yeah, hunt, hunted out of the kayaks. Didn't hunt out of the canoe. Used it for transport. Um, okay. And so, hunting out of the kayaks is a lot of fun. Just you can't. You got to know where your balance points are, and don't exceed those. Otherwise, you'll take a swim.
2: For sure. Well, hey, I guess we didn't really even talk about hides too much. You, you know, you mentioned it briefly here a little bit ago, but you know, as a solo hunter, talk about you know, the different situations you hunt in, how do you hide and, you know, how do you determine your hide and is it easier to hide yourself compared to, you know, some people will say like when you're in a field, like having five or six layouts together, you look like a little grass Island, but I imagine being a solo hunter, it's, it's probably pretty convenient to only have to hide yourself.
3: Yeah. So if, if I'm, if I'm hunting a, a a field, um, uh, I, I'll hide if I'm hunting a cornfield, i use the corn stalks to, to hide my blind um, and just like anybody else. And I use those decoys to uh, pack those in tight around me um, just to break up because I am kind of a, you know, uh, an, an abnormality to a field um, with that bump being there. So if I use those decoys to crowd around me, I'm able to break up that that outline of my of my blind. Um, but. As a solo hunter, you know I'd, I'd, I'm able to um, I'm able to hide in smaller pieces of cover. Like uh, if I'm hunting one of my creek banks, you know I'm not I'm not needing you know a big overhang. I can I can tuck up next to a tree in a shadow um, and let let the let the shadows be my camouflage and hide myself and let those branches cast those different shadows and break up my outline. Um, And, you know, in a marsh, you know, you can get in and some of that, that's those, those smaller pockets of cattails or whatever the vegetation is there. um, And you can, you can really, you can really disappear in that stuff. um, And you don't need near as much of it um, like you would with, with a big group.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's one of the best things is is like there's got to be times where you you don't even consider using a blind. Um, if you can pack enough decoys in around you or if you tuck into the, you know, the you know, the side of a bank or something like that, but um now I know you, you said you've mentioned it multiple times that you take out kids. Um, obviously your kids are too young to take out, but you know what kind of mentorship are you are you doing out here?
3: Well, for for my own, just on my own stuff, I've got I've got some nieces and nephews that are um, in that seven to 15, 16 range. Um, so I take them out a lot, and then a lot of times they'll drag their friends out with them, and I I, I like to get them to experience, um, you know, this because it's it's something i'm I'm very passionate about and there's not there's no real good way to explain it outside of trying to show them Mm -hmm. um and so I, i i take somewhere between six and eight kids out um a year just myself and then um through through the the delta waterfowl stuff i do um last year or two years ago um we we started and we took i think we took like uh like nine or ten kids out for their first hunt, uh, single day um, youth opener. Uh, took them out to a public marsh and showed them the ins and outs of what to do. And and then last year um, we took three or four out. Um, and so it's just, I think it's part of the game, you know. Um, this is, I think this is my sixth or seventh season as a waterfowler and it's, you know, I, I've kind of learned a few of the ropes and you know, it's time to start giving back. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I just feel like it's kind of my that's duty. Exactly
1: where I'm at, man.
3: Yeah. That's it's, exactly it,
1: where I'm at. So.
3: It's 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 our duty. I I, I feel like, um, and that's what I'm gonna continue to do.
2: Now, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't assume this, but I'm assuming a little bit that you know when you take those kids out, are those maybe not solo hunts? Or are you taking a group out of kids out by yourself?
3: Oh, I, I, you know, um, if it's just me and one of my older nephews, um, and maybe his friends, I got no problems with it just being me. But if you get those younger kids, um, the younger kids are a little bit unpredictable. Um, and you only got two guys. So, um, it's, I normally try and take, um, a, a buddy or my, my dad, um, something like that for those bigger groups or with younger kids. Um, it's always good to have an extra hand because um, with more kids means more equipment. And as a solo, um, typically a solo hunter, um, it's just easier if you got a little bit more help to help those kids get out there. Um, Cause when they're real young, um, you know, there's only so many decoys they can carry out or, Yeah, well, I mean, a box of shells or whatever,
2: for sure. Like, definitely, you know, little kids aren't pack mules, but also, even just as a safety standpoint, like, man, I, I don't know if I would trust myself alone with more than two or three kids on their first duck hunt. That's that's definitely a lot of responsibility.
3: Well, there's there's so much excitement because for them, you know, they've never seen, you know, they never seen mallards bomb into the decoys or. You know, a flock of Canada's dropping out of the sky or, you know, that's that's a whole lot of adrenaline and excitement. And they never dealt with that before. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the barrel of that gun or, you know, whatever. They get pretty excited. So you just got to be there. Um, I normally like like a one adult to two kids kind of ratio. Um, that way you can kind of keep an eye on what's going on.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the good news is, at least with your involvement and getting involved with these youth, before long you will have a couple pack mules to help you out.
3: <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, you got to teach them young. I mean,
2: yeah, that's right. No, that really is cool, though. You're involving with the youth, and I mean, that's just you know, that's one thing we definitely want to do at foul front is involve youth and even non-hunters who have never hunted before we really we don't care if you're 12 or 30 you know we want to recruit new hunters and try to get those numbers up
3: yeah i was just about to touch on that i mean getting the getting the the kids out and uh taking them hunting that's that's an awesome thing and that's one we should continue to do and strive to do but um we need to get the, the, the adults out as well. Cause those are the guys that have a nine to five, that have some expendable cash. They have the means to go do it on their own. Um, and they're going to be the people. Love to see,
1: love to see kids getting out there during the, the youth days and all that stuff. But the thing is, is kid ain't got no control over his time or his money. Um, yeah. and kid ain't, you know, yeah, he can, he can invite another one of his friends out, but. Um, yeah, it's the, you know, the, those 20, 30 year old guys that you can really make some, some money as, as to say, um, in the conservation slash getting people out into the sport with them.
3: Well, I mean, there, there's fringe benefits to it too. I mean, if you take, if you take somebody out that's, you know, that's an adult or maybe it's a, it's a, a kid that's getting ready to, you know, say he's like 15, just about to be 16, you know. These are people that, you know, through you taking them out and you mentoring them, you know, that could turn into a lifelong friendship. I mean, you know, lifelong hunting buddy. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of extra benefits to it. I mean, not to mention if they do get hooked, I mean, that might be somebody to spread, you know, the cost with.
1: Yeah, the domino effect. Yeah. Mean, or like the scouting, you know, or permissions. Heck, that's the only reason I'm really friends with Tegan is so that I can have – <laughs> you using me? <laughs>
3: uh, I mean if, if you can find a hunting buddy that will scout, you need to be good friends with that guy.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean because if, 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 if your buddies don't scout, I mean you're just kind of a guide.
1: That's, hey, that's a good point. That is a great point.
3: I mean that's there's a, point, so you- a lot of truth to that. <laughs> That, I mean, I think that's probably why I do a lot of solo hunting, because <laughs> eventually relying yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can only hey, put in so much thing effort. And then another thing too,
1: when you're hunting by yourself, you never have to argue with anybody about where the mojo goes or whether or not <laughs> someone <laughs> that darn deep. mojo, yeah, that darn mojo placement, or uh, you know, oh, we should move the decoys over here. You just get to kind of do it.
3: Yeah, I mean, but. You, you get you get that you know there's no one to blame and there there's a sense of pride that comes with you know you know you did it yourself it was all you you know and you can you can take some pride in that but then you know there's this exchange of uh you know part of the draw to waterfowl hunting is the social aspect of it right but you can you can go do this solo thing and this is something I think about all the time whenever I'm out there by myself Is that it's like darn I, I wish I wish I had somebody to talk about like man that, that that gaddy just bombed in hard or you know that mallard come in quick out of nowhere and you can laugh and joke about it but the dog doesn't have much sense of humor just kind of looks at you <laughs> like can't believe you missed again again yeah, so, I mean, I think everybody's dog's got that personality. It just kind of gives you that sideways glance, like, like, really? Again?
1: Yeah, when I take my dog out, well, she usually doesn't get out of the truck until the decoys are set up, and, like, I got a good puppy blind <laughs> for her.
3: That sounds um, like my dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, come to mention it, that sounds like my dad, too.
3: Oh,
0: well, <laughs>
1: ultimate dad move dad move make all the hey you
3: know, we're not that far from being in that position
1: what about you know about seven or eight years is that <laughs> or at least for field hunting
3: yeah yeah it'd be great
1: much to the chagrin of our wives i'm sure uh,
3: well i mean Get my wife a time. my wife she she enjoys the outdoors she just uh we we had the kids and you know this is something that's my passion and uh, she sacrifices that for me, so she's looking forward to kids getting grown and getting out often. But I, I take the time to get her out on a on a banger of a hunt um, every year. I got yeah. I I to told my wife
1: there. i I can't wait for you know our daughter to be ready to get out into the blind, help me set up decoys, and I teach her all the ways. And she's like, Yeah, I can't wait to have both of your butts out of the house on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All
2: right. Yeah. So, you know, we we talked about moving the mojos, and I guess that's a another good question to ask, Chad. What kind of like I guess you could call it specialty gear do you run on these solo hunts? I know you said earlier, you know, you got to utilize the space you have for the necessities first, but you know, are you running a jerk string or a mojo or you know anything special?
3: Uh, you know, I uh, I don't ever hit the hit the field or hit the marsh or water scenario without a jerk cord in my blind bag. Um, you know that was one of the early motion things. It's tried and true, and it it it's effective. Um, nowadays wow. nowadays, you know, I when I first got going, you know, that was right whenever mojos kind of hit the market, and those things were just lethal. Um, and now it seems like everybody's running three, four, five of those things. And I wow. just feel like those those birds are kind of – they're wise to that game. So um, question
1: for you. I know my biggest thing with jerk rigs is, is like I will set one up. I'll have, you know, four mojos going and a jerk string. And I always – designate one guy I'm like hey you're the jerk string dude alright as <laughs> Wade it. would say it's the newbie it's the always oh, the newbie like hey when they're you know when I'm when I'm calling you're pulling on the jerk string okay and okay got it got it but when I'm by myself I mean like I can't even I don't I couldn't tell you how many times I've like looked around for the jerk string uh, handle for about <laughs> half a second and been like eh screw it like I'm, I'm good to go I, I there's a lot. You're, you're calling, you're calling, and you're, you're, you know, getting that jerk string. That's a lot of, that's a lot of
2: See, I remember carts. to do the jerk string by myself, but then I'm fumbling to grab my gun.
3: Yeah,
2: well, see, there's another.
3: <laughs> we'll see, the, 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 about the solution, the solution to that problem, like, mm-hmm. at least for me, they have these little, uh, uh, like, if you go down to Cabela's or wherever you buy a fishing tackle, like those, uh, those little fiberglass rod stakes that they have that like they extend out. You mm-hmm. shove that in the ground and that's a perfect gun rest. And you just set that like I hunt off of a off of a, typically a, a bucket. And so that uh that'll sit between my legs and the gun'll be upright, ready to go and I got call in one hand and jerk in the other and getting after it and whenever it's time. And I-
1: only took us an hour and one minute and two seconds to get to that gym. So,
3: <laughs> wow! That's, so there you, we go. Or, or if you've got soft ground, break a twig off. I mean,
1: yeah,
3: you got to figure out. You can't just be laying that over your lap, and otherwise you get that jerk cord wrapped around your gun somehow, and it's just a mess. Yeah. So that's how. Well, I hey, we
2: talked about your field hunting excursions with the silos and the socks, and you know you said you, you love kayak hunting. And it's a great experience. Uh, but I, I think you know a lot of people out there, your average duck guy on the weekend or whenever it is, they're, they might be hauling into a public marsh or a weehaw pond, or maybe they're lucky enough to have a private spot, and they're probably hunting water primarily four ducks just because it's a little easier to target that than geese and you know when you're solo hunting for that what does that look like are you utilizing like packable decoys or are you buying like the cheapest lightest craigslist decoys you can find how many are you running and how are you packing those in
3: well for for me i run i run texas rigs on everything um and i have a uh, I have a refuge runner bag um And that's – I'll utilize that whenever um, I've got like a really long walk-in, you know, because that that just puts everything on your back and keeps your hands free and you can can get running. But um, what I found is that um, with that refuge runner, especially um, after you've picked up, you know, I, I run two dozen decoys and hunting on big water with big wind you know, I run eight ounce weights. Um, and so, you know, a dozen decoys, just the weights alone is six pounds. Um, and you got two pounds of bird, you know, you're, you're looking at 60, 80 pounds on your back for two dozen decoys, not to mention a shotgun and, you know, all these things. Um, so I'm just running two dozen decoys and I, I run some, uh, I have some avian X's, um, that I run on some lifetime rigs. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll carry those in, but once once those decoys, once you pack them back in there, and that bag gets wet. That bag seems to double in weight. I don't know if that's just because you're tired, or or what. But um, I found that if uh, if you've got nice flat ground, that's not going to be if it's like a if it's a pasture or um, if it's got some small gravel or um, if you're going to be walking a road in, a lot of times if you use your, your deer cart or your game cart or whatever it is, um, that makes that makes your walk just so much easier. Um, yeah.
2: yeah, that walkout's then, always heavier than the walk-in, no matter how the hunt went or whatever extra you're carrying
1: that, out. It's motivation. And <laughs> the other thing, too, that really irritates me about it, so hey, you can fit four dozen of these... Um, um, decoys into this blind bag yeah and they'll be slapping your ankles the entire way you know yeah back.
3: Good, good luck you, yeah. you you'll be dragging that thing
1: yeah exactly
3: or see i made the mistake one time we i i went hunting with my nephew one time and uh we just had a ton of birds um and we had about a probably like a three-quarter mile walk in and mm-hmm. i loaded that thing down with a, as many decoys as i could get in there and then I had him. He probably had he had one of those mesh decoy bags with probably a dozen, dozen and a half on his back, and uh, we carried. I think all told, we probably had five dozen birds we carried back there, mm-hmm. and and that bag was just impossible to carry with all the gear, the added birds. Um, so we wound yeah, up I mean, having
1: you could you could easily bench press that or or squat it, but <laughs> you know you add the awkward. Dimensions huh. slash it flopping around on you like
3: that's different. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how much padding they have in those shoulder straps. They they bite. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah sure. I uh, I would much rather carry my decoys on a on a game cart. Um, that kind of you know I, I set that up. Normally I'll have I'll set my decoys up. Uh, in the in a bag, or if I'm if I'm running just Texas rigs, I'll drop them on that, and then that kind of gives a platform um, that I can lay my clothes in that I'm going to wear during the hunt, so I'm not getting mm-hmm. too hot out. And then on top of that, I can stack my gun and my blind bag and maybe a stool or my bucket or whatever. And then yeah. I have a little a little cargo net I picked up, um, and just throw that over so I don't lose my gear on the on the walk-in and that just that seems to make that seems to put the the stress uh and strain of it is a whole lot easier than trying to carry it on on your back
1: you know when you get when you're done with the uh this next kid uh, i don't know if you guys are having any more but um i saw a guy that he had taken his their old jogging stroller uh that they had and he turned it into like a, a walk-in hunting thing, and I, you know, I kind of been eyeing my uh, my stroller
3: a little differently. Get some off-road wheels next, yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: mine yeah. mine's got off-road wheels, but I think, oh, I, 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 think there,
3: I think there was a, 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 a post on the page about that. I was let, I think I was letting Tegan though uh, get the off-road wheels because it helps scouting because hunting public martians and those dikes and places you can that's, park
1: that's right
3: know, yeah you yeah. know that lends itself to some pretty good pictures some memories you're gonna hold on to and you can still get your your goal accomplished while getting that quality dad time in
1: that's right plus you know the kids they they appreciate the uh the fresh air and the the sunlight and a little bit of vitamin D, and who knows? There might be some subliminal things in there. Maybe they'll be more keen to be picking Convincing up in a Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, you got me. I,
3: actually, I'm trying to
1: convince my wife if she listens to this. So. You
3: know I had those same talks with mine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. For sure. It's
1: healthy, honey. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: it's good for <laughs> them. Or,
1: My wife... I, Chad, do you know what little baby bums is? No. Okay, it's this this these crazy smart people that posted these nursery rhyme like animated nursery rhymes on Netflix, and uh, it's like crack for little tiny kids. <laughs> uh, they just like watch it like it's like an intense episode of NCIS or something. That's like what my kid looks like. Like she's hanging on like every word that they say. But um,
0: my wife's like, oh,
1: see this Baby Bumps thing works really good. And I'm like, yeah, so does AVNX TV.
3: And <laughs> yeah, you know, man, they don't that, know what, what it is. Kids, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My, my son, uh, we have that uh, – oh, it's an outdoor TV app can't My outdoor tv yeah um and uh watches watches fishing shows non-stop mm. I, I haven't gotten him convinced to watch the the duck hunting videos and the but he's ate up about the fishing um nice. he sits in a cardboard box in our front room <laughs> with a with a with a one of those little kid broom like cleaning things yeah. and on the end it's got like this little loop and we tie the a cardboard cutout fish to the end, and he will cast that for hours, reel in fish, and he just he's ate up about the fishing. So I'm hoping that translates to the the waterfowl. And but it's a great excuse to get away from the house. Like, oh, me and Hunter are going fishing. He want he asked me to go. I'm going to take him. It's great. Hey,
2: whatever your introduction is, I guess, and you know. As long as you get to the uh, waterfowl in the inn, right? Oh yeah.
3: I mean, there'll be no shortage of that. <laughs>
2: awesome. Man, little kids are funny.
1: That's that's good stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. wife. Wife says if I uh, if I can get the kids to wear hearing protection, we can go out for dove season this year.
1: Oh so, yeah. Well, that's I, nice and laid back. I'll drop too. you. I'll drop you a link. There's I. I had to buy some baby ear protection slash little kid ear protection supposed to be like good from like three months to five years
3: so if they can keep it on and they're they're doing really good we started with hats like ball Mm -hmm. caps and they love wearing those so i'm hoping
1: she wore it the entire fourth of july almost anytime that we started getting close to some fireworks um over there in Wamigo, i'd i'd pop that thing on her and she loved him so
3: yeah Yeah, be sure. Drop me that link. I I would love to be able to get out this year with them. It's ambitious, I know, but... Yeah. I mean, gotta try.
1: Yeah, a man can dream. (laughs) That's for sure. Should we wrap this thing up?
3: You know, uh... We've... Did I just hang up?
1: Nope,
2: you're good. no, you're We're good. Right here. Oh. Hey, if you got, if you got something else you want to yeah. share, feel free. Uh,
3: no, I just uh, it's we've had a, a, a good conversation, and uh, I think I think a lot of people need to try the solo hunt because there's there's a lot to be taken in um, by yourself. Uh, it gives you that that opportunity to get in touch with your yourself and. Just think about the things you need to be thinking on. Kind of refocus. There's a lot of added benefits to doing hunting by yourself, but definitely don't don't stray away from the the party hunt because there's a big yeah. part of waterfowl that that is that social aspect.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I love the social aspect. I would say my hunting is probably 95 to five. uh The 95 being group hunts. I I try to take a lot of people out every year. Uh, particularly new people, but man, that those five percent hunts that I get out by myself, it's like therapy. And it, you know, it's so nice not have to worry about other people, and you're not stressing on whether they're having a good hunt or not. You're not as worried about your calling and the decoy. You just sit back and take in the views and relax. And yeah, that's that's my favorite part of
1: solo hunting. Oh yeah, there's less, there's less pressure to pull the trigger too, and so you can literally just let groups come in. And And that sometimes can be your best hunting too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course you'll have you'll have you know 150 (laughs) birds in your face when one gunner, one gunner, (laughs) and you can't just. I I know I have a video that I'll post this to the to the group um, in you know when we release this uh, episode. But there's a time where like, man, I I had probably 200 birds in this little this little hole, and I. You know, I didn't even pick up the gun. I just was filming it, and, you know, had I had three other dudes there, we'd have blown that thing up, and we'd have been done in about ten minutes. But,
3: yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know what the guys are like that you hunt with, but whenever you get those big balls of birds, I probably drop more birds by myself than I do with the the big group because they just get so excited. And we're yeah. all, you know, we're all looking at the same bird coming in because we think it's yeah. the gimme. Then, there's there's always that one bird in the group that draws everybody
1: <laughs> to it. And, it's, Nailed it, and it's 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 just like you know uh, I, this is so mean to me because this was, probably was me, but there's always that kid on the playground that like all the bullies want to target, and it's there's always that duck too, you know oh, yeah, um, like and and he'll the
3: spread like mm.
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Just if that uh, if that bowl can comes in I might be shooting across. <laughs>
3: oh yeah. Well I, that's one I haven't checked off my bucket list yet. I ain't got one of those yet.
1: So I, I don't mean to be that guy. I've just I've shot the
2: crap out of Really. Cans. <laughs> like, I mean, I've yeah. shot one and I regret not getting it on the wall.
3: And yeah, no. I don't think I've even had an opportunity at one. Not yet anyway. Yeah.
1: That's just I, I guess I down in El Paso and New Mexico I was in a, such an eclectic flyway yeah just birds just pulled up there all sorts of birds and, it's you know, crazy
2: to hear your stories and then after hearing that from you doing some research and just like seeing that mm-hmm. it's almost it's I I don't know if I should call it a mecca but I mean it it's like a thing of its own like and you wouldn't think Dude, of it
1: we're going down there
3: <laughs> for sure I'm Chad. I'm, I'm doing a, a a casting blast down near Corpus. Um, I think later this, later this year, if not this year, then 2019, uh, just had a buddy get oh. stationed down at Corpus and, Oh, nice. um, cast and, and blast another,
1: meaning you're going to go down and fish and,
3: and oh hunt. yeah, we'll, we'll hunt the mornings and fish the afternoons.
1: Yeah. That's cool. What, what
2: are you fishing for down there?
3: I have no the, idea. Is that Man, the I, I've never even seen the ocean. So I have You've no idea seen the what ocean, huh? Nope. So I don't, I don't buddy. know what to expect down there. Whole other world. That's A right. Whole new world. Oh, come on now! It's <laughs> like that kind of show.
2: Nah, I'm, the ocean's cool, but I'll uh, I'll take the Kansas rivers and reservoirs
3: myself. Yeah, man. yeah. But that's that's what I grew up on. That's what I love. So we'll Absolutely. see.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Your first hunt that hooks you there's there's something about it that you'll never forget it. And you'll never want to leave it.
3: Yeah, but the, the crazy thing is that first time I told you about that was that was kind of the the, the one that got me, and yeah, you know, I bet I've hunted that 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 creek, I don't know, half a dozen times since then, and man, it just never ever produced like that that one time. <laughs> never.
2: That's crazy. The fate That's fate it, had it, I guess. That it one just, hunt it was the
1: siren, you
3: know, oh, it, pulled you in. Oh <laughs> yeah, it was. Now it's got it's, you. I mean. I, I bet i've killed maybe maybe a dozen wood ducks off that creek since but just need that
2: it, one good freeze when it stays open
3: oh man but now i live on now i live on the reservoir and it's 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 some fantastic hunting when it gets cold
2: yeah definitely gonna try to get i uh started hunting some big lakes around here a little more last year when everything froze over and definitely gonna start adding that to my repertoire a little more but shoot it got so cold this past year late december even the big lakes were frozen too much to hunt
3: yeah it was seems like right around the the first of the year we always get down in the single digits and locks things out
2: yeah i saw the kansas river for the first time in my life completely ice from bank to bank this year that was that was crazy
3: yeah it's a. It, it, it's, it's, well, it's just, when it gets cold, the rivers are, are special.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Chad, Hey, we're going to end these, um, these tales and tips with, uh, well, really two questions. And one is the question that we always ask, uh, um, and then the other, well, I guess we'll ask the first question. Um, you get one more hunt. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What's the weather conditions like, and what are you shooting?
3: Man, that's like seven questions. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I did just like, you know, maybe it would just be like, hey, last hunt, but I want to know a little bit more.
2: Paint us a picture. Paint
1: me a picture. <laughs> Brian Moyes has ruined me, so.
3: You know, uh, I think if I was to, if I had just one more hunt, um, it would be... My dad, my uncle, and my my best friend, and we'd be out, and we would be um, in a cold, nasty, nasty cornfield that is just getting pounded by pounded by big canvas, and that would just be in my hometown of Valley Center.
1: But, and then, what's the weather? You said
3: cold, but what's the weather oh, like? If, 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 to me, perfect conditions would be like, like a five mile an hour north wind with heavy snow coming down. I think yes, that would be. I agree that would be perfect or, or big old, maybe maybe old Midwestern flakes fog. Yeah.
2: That thick snow that, that big old Canada just breaks through and you finally get a good picture of and it's already in shooting range.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. You hear them the whole time and you just, you know, they're somewhere near getting closer and then it's just, it's on and they're right in your face.
2: Oh yeah.
3: Yep. That would be, that would be it. I could, if I could do that, I could, I could be happy.
2: Yeah, you
1: just made me hate July
3: a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think the heat does that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so this last question that we're going to have kind of end things with, and uh, so future Tales and Tips, um, guests beware and take heed, but what episode, either Tales and Tips or a main episode, uh, do you want to see from us or would you want to see from
3: us? Oh man. I, I, you know, I, I like the, the conversations with us, with us, uh, us listeners. We offer a, a, a different perspective. I just, I think I would like to hear different perspectives of, of the way guys are doing it. Um, you know, cause there's a thousand ways to do this and, um, I think it'd be cool to talk to those guys that do the body booting, um, out in the bays out on the east coast um in the middle of winter sitting in wetsuits hiding behind wooden canada decoys i don't know if you guys have heard about that, that stuff.
2: yeah those big old x decoys that they, they kind of float like a goose gang rig yeah that yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that's on my bucket list
3: yeah just just to to I, I like hearing all the different ways to do it um because i think there's a you know, in all the different ways to do something, there's something that can be picked up and maybe gleaned and to add another one to your toolbox. Um, so I just think, you know, we're constantly learning how to get better at these at this game. I think. Hearing the different ways to do it would be what I'd like to hear.
1: All right. Awesome. We uh, appreciate that. That's a good feedback. Well, yeah, Chad, we appreciate you coming on for this Tales and Tips episode, and uh, I think it was invaluable. I think there's a lot of good lessons to, to be learned out of, you know, just, you don't got to, you know, talk to the, you know, the big wigs in the industry to learn a little bit, like you just said. Um, everybody's cutting the the meat a little different, and there's a lot to be gleaned from everyday conversation.
3: Yeah, man. I, At the end I, of the
1: day, we're all shooting the same birds.
3: Yeah. If we're in my party, we all are. (laughs) So, but guys, I I appreciate you letting me come on and talk to you. Um, I've had a good time. So, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, I look forward to being a listener for your future shows.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and with the family and everything. And, you know, definitely look forward to seeing your activity in the listeners group, and thank you for being involved and
1: being a listener
3: no doubt guys you guys are doing a good thing
1: all right chad you have a good night man
3: you too see you guys okay, bye. Bye. thanks
1: for listening to this week's episode of the foul front waterfowl podcast please come join us on our facebook group the foul front waterfowl podcast group where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together we need to act like it so that hopefully our great great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can impress all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today.